0: Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. This is no normal episode of True Crime Guys Podcast. This is episode number five of the Freeloader series. If you don't know what the Freeloader series is, it's where we take our oldest Patreon episodes and we release them once a month. So they're about two years post-dated to the original release. So, you know, if you're a Freeloader, you can be a Freeloader. You know, if you just wait two years for the content, no big deal. We'll keep you busy with the Freeload and stuff in between. You know, don't get upset about it. It's no big deal. But this week, um, this episode starts out the same week as the October 1st mass shooting in Las Vegas. So we start the episode by addressing that, and then we go into Waco, and then eventually discuss uh, Ruby Ridge, because we think they're all somewhat related. Not in a weird conspiracy way, just, you know, they're they're related topics. You get what we're saying. You guys know. But anyways, if you guys like to sign up for our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash truecrimeguys and get all these episodes the very day they are released. But for now, enjoy this episode on Ruby Ridge that was originally released October 8th, 2017. See you on the other side, creepers.
1: Um so I guess we have to start by addressing the tragic events that happened in our city this past week. Yeah, unfortunately. Sunday night, late Sunday night, um man by the name of Stephen Paddock, 64 years old, yeah, open fire on a country music festival. Yeah, he got a suite at the Mandalay Bay. I'm sure, like we said, you guys probably know the details by now. uh, Killed more than 58 people Mm -hmm. from all over the place. This is a tragedy for Vegas, but it's also just a tragedy for the United States. And and even there was Canadians there that were killed. There was a lot. This is a festival, and this is a very transient city. A lot of people here on vacation, mostly, honestly, on a Sunday night, probably mostly people. Probably mostly tourists, yeah. Tourists, They're not working the next day. Yeah, I mean, there was a ton of people that were victims from California. Mm Mm-hmm obviously some people from Las Vegas in there there was Canadians there was a little bit of a mix of everything man and it's it's so you know we appreciate everyone reaching out to us and making sure that we were okay we were home right. I was asleep i had work early in the morning yeah um i do not know anyone directly that was affected by it i do i do know people that know people that were affected like mm-hmm. my brother-in-law had a a good friend that was killed there you know right. so i mean if you're this is a small city so just about everybody knows somebody that was affected mm-hmm. my wife had coworkers that were there they were terrorized by it, luckily they were okay. Um, but like we said, man, this is just a uh, tragic event in general for this country. Right. We and felt like it
0: affects everyone else just as much as it affected Vegas. You know, a yeah. lot of people, we get a lot of people, oh, pray for Vegas, pray for But a lot of these people are from all over the place. Yeah. And they have families. Yeah. You know, this There's a good, great possibility that this event affected the entire nation and probably multiple countries as far as directly. Yeah. Because I mean, even a lot of the residents here are are, are transplants. Yeah, you know, they have family all over. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, man, I, I just I just get bummed anytime this happens anywhere.
1: It is. It does feel a little bit closer to home because it is at home. It's. I've stayed in that casino. Well, of, it
0: makes you a little more paranoid <clears throat> because it happened yes. here. But it doesn't make me feel any any less. No, sorrow, I felt the same. Any more sorrow. I, I mean. felt just
1: as sad for Orlando. Absolutely. And, you know, and just it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's no good, man. I, I I just I can't imagine what goes on in a person's head that makes them want to commit this kind of violence on. Random strangers like this, you know, and affect right. the lives. Like when you see mothers of three, their stay-at-home mom, yeah, I believe from California. That one really got me when I read it. Like going through, and you have to think about it's more than just a number, fifty-eight. You know, people go there and they put these lists up. How many more did he get than other people? Yeah. So that just grosses me out.
0: It's almost like instead encouraging of doing that, that and- go and look
1: at the bios and the pictures of these people that yeah. were killed, and then not Let's and post then think those that, over and over again, and then think that five hundred other people were affected. Right um a lot of those 500 and a lot of people that weren't even hurt um maybe their husband was killed or their yep. wife was killed at the event there that, that the one I was talking about the mother of three she was dancing with her husband and was shot in the head think about that husband who now has three kids that he has to take care of on his own and has to go home and tell those kids that his mother's not coming home yeah you know like his life has changed forever absolutely and and, absolutely. and like everyone was there not even not even if you were harmed you're still like mentally you're never gonna probably have that safety, the no. feeling of safety anywhere you go, anywhere outside, you know. And so, and then, and, and, but what is good is that you see the response that's that's had, you know, right. in Vegas. You've seen the local response, and you saw the people at the event, the way that the police reacted. They did yeah. a phenomenal job. The way that all the first responders and and just like local heroes that were there, like yeah. the marine that was driving, like stole a truck and was driving people to the hospital and right. saved like some thirty people. Yep. You know, you just it's it's definitely like. Sometimes these things do have positive effects, but ultimately it's just tragic. Right. Uh, and yeah. so we, we put up a link already on our Twitter and our Instagram to uh, Steve Sisolak, our county commissioners. Um, he started a GoFundMe yeah. that just – I mean, when I first donated to it, it was at like 15000 or something. It had just came up, and mm-hmm. now it's at like $10 million. Oh, so wow. it's just – it's it's insane. And so if, if you did see our link and you donated, thank you. And, and also, there's a lot
0: of performers that are performing in town and donating most – like. Some performers are donating 100% of their proceeds. Yeah, so like making, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is coming yeah. this weekend to perform and 100%. And he sells out every time he's here. So right. that's, that's huge.
1: And I know local casinos. Um, I think like the Sands gave like $3 million, You know, like the MGM wow. resort gave $2 million and Yeah. Like, so just the, the community stepped up big time. There's already been um, uh, candlelight vigils and stuff like right. that for the victims. Yeah. And it, it's just.
0: And unfortunately, there's already conspiracies out there. Oh, my goodness. Dude. I know it drives me crazy. It's it's like I guess it's easy to believe in these conspiracies when you're not there and right. you're not seeing this happen very. You don't close see too to many you. locals that that are doing this. It's people from no, out of, out because of state. they they see the effects. They
1: know these right. people are not in our city anymore. These yeah, these we, locals, these friends, whatever. We talked about it in our very first episode about the CC's pizza killers um, mm-hmm. and uh, how a lot of people acted as those those uh, cops that were killed weren't even real. Like they right. were actors, and like there were th- that the. Uh, um, Alan Beck, not one of the officers that was killed, like his funeral was a staged event. and, yeah. and I'm like, dude, I, I I met Alan Beck twice. Yeah, and I know he's a right. real person. Like, right. And we know, like I, I mentioned, friends of mine and family members know people that were affected by this. Right. It was a real thing that happened. Now, you know, and then other conspiracy people say, well, we we don't say it didn't happen, but we're saying maybe the government had a part in it to take away our guns and this and that. And it's just like,
0: can we just? I don't know, man. And. And maybe it's maybe just amazing so, how fast it's that It's still a tragedy. It is, yes. It's like regardless of why it happened, it's still it's still a tragedy. Let's, yeah, let's take not, a minute yeah. and you know what I mean? Yeah. Just for to be healthy as people, like let's just take a minute and think about this. Yeah.
1: And then life is such a great experience and then there's people that have to go take it away like that from random people. Yeah. It, it's a shame he didn't just take his own life to begin with and, and cut the charade right. and not have to go kill a bunch of innocent people. Right. But um, I think that's as far as we really want to go with it. It definitely is a, bu- it's a bummer. And we will put the link to this, uh, to the county commissioner, mm-hmm. Steve Sislax, GoFundMe. Right now, they're having meetings on how to disperse the money. You know, it sounds like a lot of money for 58 victims, $10 million. But it's like we, we mentioned how many people are affected and their family members. And right. the, this is going to go towards... Uh, funeral costs it's going to go towards travel expenses for people to fly to las vegas right it's going to it's there's a lot of people who are affected by it that that this will help out so um it's a a good it's a good cause so if you guys donate we we mentioned if you donate send us a screen cap and we'll send you some stickers oh yeah so you know whatever we can send you you know just to help out so we're just trying to play our small part here at the podcast we are a crime pos- podcast in Las Vegas, so it would be kind of like silly if we didn't talk about it and try and do something. That's true. Even if it's just a minuscule thing. But, uh, yeah, that's about it for that message. I'd rather not have to do this at all because I wish it would, didn't happen, but yeah, it happened. And it uh, unfortunately happens more and more every year
0: in this country. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that we aren't that surprised anymore. Right. That's, it kinda, is. That's, that's the scariest part. Yeah.
1: With that said, I'm tired of talking about this. Um, yeah, let's
0: talk about something else.
1: Yeah, let's let's get into our episode this week. With uh, the music. Let's get let's get this going. <laughs> <Let's> do it.
0: Ich bin aus <laughs> euch selbst herausgewachsen.
1: What? Everybody knows who uh, Randy Weaver
0: is. I want to thank y'all for coming out here, coming out here, coming out here.
1: How many people are afraid of terrorists?
0: The the media was portraying our family completely opposite of how I saw our family. You know who they are. We weren't the monsters that everyone thought that we were.
1: You give a man a badge and a gun, he'll go out and beat you, shoot you, jail you, do whatever you want, right or wrong, and uh, get away with it.
0: We weren't just a crazy family up in the hills, you know?
1: The original terrorists were Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, people like that. But you see, to us, they were freedom fighters. But there is a time for violence, and that is in self-defense. When you have a government that
0: enforces non-law passed by your Congress, you're run by a king, and it usually ends up very tyrannical.
1: My grandpa Harvey Weaver one time said, government's just like a garden, it needs to be weeded every now and then. Uh, If there are any questions, I'd take them. Other than that, I could probably
0: go have another cold Pepsi. Yeah, real good music. I enjoy that. Thank you. Thank
1: you. All right. Our case this week, we decided to go with my choice, Ruby Ridge, but also it was backed up by several people on Patreon. We had
0: one naysayer. It was backed up by all of Lauren's alias accounts. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Shmorn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a great idea. Uh, Bajorn. (laughs) Bjorn. Bjorn. That's how you say it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we went with uh, Ruby Ridge, and it's 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 a pertinent pertinent thing. I mean, we just had a, a local terrorist in, right. with the shooting in, in Las Vegas, and this is uh, something that was happening a lot in the early '90s. Yeah, but these are different, though. These are different. These they, are. these had more of a message behind them, and they, they were angry at the government and whatnot. We don't really know the the motive.
0: Behind. Also, this this shed some some strange light on the government, some suspicious light, yes, at the say in the least, yes. So, um, yeah. I would say conspiracies involved in this, but not really because even
1: the government admitted they fucked up in the end.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. No, you I'm know? not
1: saying it's conspiracy. I'm just saying it shed some bad, bad light. Oh, no doubt. But things changed because of, because of Ruby Ridge. Yeah. A lot of good things yeah. happened because of the bad that happened there. That's true. The ugliness that was the FBI's response to these things. Overzealous response. Right? But we're going to start with some related events. Um, we'll start with the Oklahoma City bombing because you really can't talk about Ruby Ridge without talking about oklahoma city right and without talking about waco but we'll start oh, with oklahoma yeah, city we'll give a quick synopsis of these two things um on april 19th 1995 at approximately 902 a.m a truck bomb explosion outside of the alfred p Murrah building uh it's a federal building in oklahoma city uh, left 168 people dead and injured more than 650 other people a massive massive homemade yeah. explosion right um, the bomb was so powerful that it damaged or destroyed more than 300 buildings in the immediate area. It took basically, looked wow. like it looked like a giant bite was taken out of this building, like more than half the building was gone. man by the name of Timothy McVeigh would uh, be found to be responsible for it and take, take uh, credit for it. Mm-hmm. And he says that a large part of his uh, motivation for doing this was his hatred for the government, large in part to the way that the... Ruby Ridge and Waco standoffs ended. Mm-hmm. He felt that the power of the tyrannical government has gotten out of control, and this was his way of getting back because this federal building housed many different departments within the um, yeah, U.S. government. M- many
0: people probably had nothing to do with Ruby Ridge or Waco.
1: Right. I mean, it was like w- women that worked in the IRS office, <sighs> you know, like just like uh, social security offices, right. like just in general, just like just random people that yeah, happened obviously to work for the government.
0: People very high up or it would have had much better security. Right. Then somebody can just drive a Penske truck up into the parking lot.
1: Right. Now, this would be the largest terrorist attack to take place on U.S. soil until September 11, 2001. And that would be the same year that Timothy McVeigh would be executed for his crimes. Oh, okay. He did have a co-conspirator named Terry Nichols who received life in prison. Um, he chose the date of April 19th because it was the two-year anniversary of the bloody end to the standoff between law enforcement and the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas. Mm. Now, to give a quick synopsis of Waco... We could really do two separate episodes on both of these. Oh, yeah, there, there's, for that sure. much, there's that much to them. But I think it's just better to just wrap this all into one
0: mm-hmm.
1: thing. Um, Waco, uh, what happened in, the, in in Waco, Texas, was believing that a group was illegally stockpiling weapons, the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol and Tobacco and Firearms, ATF. We'll hear a lot more about the ATF yeah. in the Ruby Ridge standoff.
0: Obtain, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say they believed that they were stockpiling these weapons in... Preparance for a reform, right? Right. For an attack on the this government. This was a
1: highly religious group that had their right. own compound. They called it uh Mount Carmel, and it was right. just outside of Waco, Texas. It was a very large compound that had been around since the fifties and it had been taken over by uh David Koresh. And he mm-hmm. was a very David. Koresh Do you have in, the,
0: like, Mormon roots kind of what they're doing here? I, I don't think. think they were Mormons. No.
1: No, they were branch Divinians. They, had, like, they were their groups. own they were they, they were No, uh, they're
0: very old Testament beliefs. Yes. Like yeah they 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 like followed two books out of the Bible that like most people probably never even heard of, right I can't remember what they I'm are. I'm know no, important they are
1: right. I'm no expert on religion, but I know yeah. that they their a big part of their beliefs was that the end was near, and that there mm-hmm. was gonna be a big. Fiery end to things where they were—it was like them versus the government—and that's very weird because
0: that's kind of what happened. Basically, what they did was they flipped through the Bible and found all the worst shit, and then highlighted it, right? And then only read that, right? (laughs) And then based their entire lives on it, yeah. And what happened was uh, a delivery driver who was delivering a package
1: to the compound in Mount Carmel uh, found Mm -hmm. inside the package like the package fell open and there was like grenades in there. Oh, it just fell open. Oh, darn! I know, He was was digging through there looking for stuff. Hell yeah, he was. Um, anyways, basically, he would alarm the government. Right, like, mm-hmm. he would alarm law enforcement who would get involved. Uh, right. ATF. ATF. Right. And these are still
0: people who technically haven't done anything wrong, right? So far. Right.
1: It, well, they're obviously stockpiling stuff, and the government starts to get a little nervous. Well, that's it, though. Exactly. They haven't done anything illegal. Yeah, you're right.
0: right. Yeah, up to this point. This is Texas.
1: This is Texas. People are allowed to have fucking Hell yeah. all kinds of shit. <laughs> Yeehaw. Go ahead. Large <laughs> stockpiles. Everybody
0: has large stockpiles of shit. Everything's bigger in Texas, right?
1: But when you got a compound, you know, and you're li- you're like uh, crazy religious, right? You combine those things with all the weapons. But today, I'm just like, I'm
0: just being you know right, 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 right. Co-
1: politically correct here. They still have not
0: done anything wrong, right? Okay, carry
1: on. And so um, what would happen was. The uh, they would obtain an arrest warrant for David Koresh and a search warrant for the religious group's compound at Mount Carmel because of the finding of these weapons. And and it was also said that like David Koresh, he was not a guy that would always just stay on the compound. He would go out and about. He would go to Walmart. He'd go here and there. Yeah. And they course. could have snatched him up, but instead they chose to do like a raid on this compound. Yeah. Which would end up resulting in a 51-day standoff. And this is
0: not a bunch of crazy like conspiracy-driven men. Like, this is women. This is children. Yes. This is full families, families here. This yes. is, yeah. These All these people had jobs in the community. There were people that weren't even messing with weapons here. They were just right. helping garden or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. keep this compound running. Yeah, so the
1: 51-day standoff, there would be uh, several events that would happen, shootouts between the, the Davidians right. and, and the FBI. Um, there would be casualties on both sides, and then eventually it would all come to April 19th, which was the... The same date that yeah. Timothy McVeigh chose for the Oklahoma City bombing, Right. April nineteenth, nineteen ninety-three, was the day that the uh, the shit hit the fan with the Branch Davidians compound, where there was a there would end up being a fire within, right. the, and initially the FBI denied their responsibility and said that 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 fire was started within, which is possible as you know, well. These yeah. were you know apocalyptic type. The to, you know, yeah, uh, their
0: mindset was in David the times. David Koresh for was sure. all
1: about the end times and yeah. he was he was down to
0: die for this Absolutely. cause and
1: everything. And he thought that there was a better place than afterwards for mm-hmm. it to be. And it was and there was shootings that were going on within the compound on that day. There were they were killing each other, they were killing themselves. The fire could have been started from within. However, afterwards in nineteen ninety-nine, the FBI would reveal that some of the tear gas used by the FBI was yep. was flammable. Yep. And it would end up resulting in the death of nearly 80 people within the, the Branch Davidians,
0: obviously, several people on the FBI side. And right. Co- in certain um, buildings on the compound, they used so much tear gas that the coroner said the people died from the tear gas. Right. Before they even burned. We're talking women, children. Women and children just suffocated because they put so much tear gas in there. Yep. They literally had nowhere to go. Right. And
1: so this standoff was a big, uh, was a big, uh, Motivating factor for Timothy McVeigh on his Oklahoma City bombing, to right. the fact to the point where he did it on the same day. The two-year anniversary of the Waco standoff was when he did it on April 19th. But um, the other motivating factor he said was the Ruby Ridge standoff, which is what we're main focus on is going to be in this yeah. episode because it was the earliest of these events mm-hmm. of these um, white Christian uh, radicals radical separatists. Yeah. They believed yeah. that the white race was this, you know, was in the the good book, the, right. you know, the Bible said that for
0: the most part, yeah. Basically, yeah. White people were God's chosen. They believe that they were the true Jews. They feel like they, it branched off somewhere um, with Abraham and the original Jews and whatnot. It yeah. And now they believe know. the government to be ran by evil Jews. Yeah. Apparently, one time somebody came out pearly white, and they're like, "Let's just let's just stick with this guy, mm-hmm. and let's just keep <laughs> we'll just carry on with his blood."
1: Right. And I don't know. Which is what Randy Weaver, the main. Uh, Character behind the Ruby Ridge standoff, oh, right? Um, he would end up being is an you know he'd be end up being a white American Christian but, believing yeah. that the government was evil, ran by Jews. He was seen wearing shirts that said, uh, "What was it? Something about Zog?" Yes, yeah, which, which, um, yeah. which is the Zionist, which basically says the government's ran by evil Jews. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, um, now, this is also a guy that could be persuaded by a newspaper article to change his religion tomorrow. Right? He's that kind of guy. Like he. This is a guy who grew up in an unstable household, religious-wise.
1: Yeah, we'll talk. We'll we'll start at the
0: beginning with with Randy Weaver. Okay.
1: Okay. So he was born on January third, nineteen forty-eight. Shared a birthday with Eli Manning and Mel Gibson. Oh man, two great Americans. (laughs) Two great Americans, (laughs) the sheriff and uh. Mel, oh, I know. Mel Gibson <laughs> All I know is Mel Gibson's a great director Fucking, he uh, made some, yeah. I've got a Hacksaw Ridge poster in this studio right now He's made some great stuff you know, Braveheart's amazing yeah. He also went
0: on an um, anti-Jew tirade when about, he was drunk one time <laughs> What about Randy Weaver's favorite, The Passion? Yeah no, no. Is, is it not
1: weird <laughs> yeah. that Randy Weaver was born on the same day as Mel Gibson And Mel Gibson went on an um, anti-Semitic tirade when he was drunk one night To a police officer, you remember that? Oh my god The world's colliding here. (laughs) Universes are colliding. So crazy. We do not hate Jews on this show.
0: I'm just going to say right right now, we love the Jewish people. Absolutely. Um, All the people, actually. Right, yeah. All
1: people are great, man, especially
0: the Jews. (laughs) Especially the Jews. (laughs) (laughs) One of four
1: people, uh, he was born uh, one of four to a farming couple in Visca, Felicia?
0: Felicia? Felicia? Uh, Let's call it
1: Felicia. Felicia, Iowa. I don't know. That sounds good. That's that one's on you. If it's things we come, come, things we got wrong, it's Michael's fault.
0: No, I think we hit all the possible pronunciations. So okay, one of those. Yeah, yeah we're v- good. I'm
1: gonna go Velisca.
0: Okay, Velisca,
1: Iowa is where he was born. He was raised in a d- deeply religious family. That changed all the time. Yeah. However, <laughs> both parents seemed to have different views. Right. Yeah. It was it was strange. Which they, seems kind of similar to his future wife, Randy Weaver would end mm-hmm. up marrying Vicky, a woman named Vicky. We'll get to it. Um, but she was the more extremely Christian. She seemed like the catalyst behind what ended up happening more Uh, so than Randy.
0: Yeah, There's a lot of people that think she she was the mastermind that kind of pushed Randy.
1: You hear interviews with Randy today, and he's completely uh, atheist, doesn't believe in any religion.
0: Right. Well, he's already been through them all, and... Right. He's lost family members. And right. So, I mean, I th- I'm pretty sure he's done now.
1: Yeah. Uh, Randy would end up joining the Army at the age of 20 and at the height of the Vietnam conflict in 1968. Um, did he see combat over there? Do you, do you know?
0: Um, I don't know. He was a Green Beret. Oh, well, I would think you'd have to have yeah, seen that's what you I'm were at thinking. the height of the Vietnam conflict and, right. you a and you're a Green Beret. And you Green Beret. I think right. you're somewhere near the front lines,
1: I would yeah. think. He was stationed at Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, North Carolina. North Carolina, North Carolina. Hey, that's like just like, having
0: so many references yeah, to that damn state. That's strange. It is pretty amazing though.
1: Uh he would end up being honorably honorably discharged in 1971. Now, the conspiracy folks that say that maybe he was acting in part with the government f- well beyond and and into the Ruby Ridge thing and all that say that he didn't actually leave. This was like a false thing that he that supposedly on the books happened, but he was still in the army and like moving his way up and I don't know. That's that's 4 years. That's like the it's like the minimum. There's people that say that they saw him in pictures in a tank, like in 1974,
0: like three years after he supposedly was discharged. Well, i you mean, conspiracy. He looks like moment. everybody. He looks like Frank Zappa. So. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they all look. There's probably a shit ton of dudes that look like him. Yeah. Just the and, and plus, 68 to 71, that's like I said, that's the minimum four years. He probably just got out honorably. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, uh, and he started to, I think, separate from. Uh, soon after, he would kind of like start. Not liking the government so much, right? Right. It seemed like around the time that he married Victoria Jordison, mm-hmm. his what would end up being his wife, a month later, right. Vicky. Uh, I guess they knew each other from school and like they were. They like did. They knew each other before he was deployed, right? And then they got back together when he, yeah. when he got back. Yep. Uh, they would end up living together in Cedar Falls, Iowa. At the time, their uh, at this time they would have their first daughter, Sarah, and Sarah would end up. Playing a big vocal role in this whole Ruby Ridge thing. There's an excellent documentary on PBS. Done a ton of interviews. Yeah, Yeah, that was a main source of – that that documentary on PBS about Ruby Ridge. Mm -hmm. And then there's also one done by PBS about Oklahoma City, which ties in stuff from Ruby Ridge. Both great. They were a a big reason why I wanted to do this case because it was so well done. You know, and it's 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 non biased. It seems. You know, it's
0: really not. Like at the end, you got he's got just as many interviews with FBI agents and U.S. marshals as he does family members. Right. And you really get the you really get the, the full, full story, picture. Yes. It is it is awesome. Um, at, during this time, when their
1: first daughter was born, he was studying criminal justice at the University of Northern Iowa. Still a believer in the system and the government, and wanting to work in law enforcement, obviously. Right. And something happened, and he would end up leaving. And mm-hmm. I guess it was on bad terms, and this kind of started was around the time when um, they would start believing in an impending apocalypse. I think Vicky right, yeah, getting in his head with and feeding him yep. the, her religious, deeply religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like you said, focusing on the parts of the Bible that were more
0: yeah, just the Old Testament "eye for an eye" type part of the Bible. Right. So it just it just made sense to them then, and then they thought, you know, we need to get out of here because I think in Iowa. They this is how independent they wanted to be. They wanted to homeschool their children, and mm-hmm. I think it's illegal in Iowa. Yeah, there was
1: something that happened right? with that. So
0: they moved to Idaho. That's well, not, not
1: quite yet. They're, but they're, I mean, that's, they're that's how up. extreme it,
0: guys, when I'm getting yeah, to They're
1: it. building up to it during this time. They had their first daughter, Sarah, and then or the, he leaves the uh, potential of becoming a police officer. He leaves that idea, mm-hmm. and the two start collecting guns. Him and Vicki, they're learning self-sufficient and survivalist techniques. They're planning soon to move mm-hmm. somewhere and become off the grid which like you said would yeah. end up being Idaho but I picked a great place right and in July of 1978 Vicky would give birth to a baby boy named Samuel and then in August of 1983 would come their second daughter Rachel um And then this is when, so they've been planning this for years, stockpiling guns, getting more and more religious, getting more and more Mm anti-government, becoming... More and
0: more independent.
1: Yeah, more independent and just can't wait. They didn't own a TV. And as Sarah would later talk about how their parents constantly talked about moving to the mountains
0: and living off the land and... Like when you hear the kids talk about it, it sounds like a great childhood. Yeah. I'm like... Yeah that would be nice actually mm-hmm. like there's no video games no tv they played they played board games together they hunted together they like yeah. You know, they built forts outside. You're jumping ahead a little bit. So in August. No, of, we're talking about childhood. Yeah, but the that the parts you're talking about
1: were once they got to the cabin, because they're still yeah. in Iowa, but in August of nineteen eighty three, Randy and Vicky would purchase a twenty acre piece of land in the northern part of Idaho, the very yeah. fucking tip of Idaho, like Canadian it really border, is. like
0: Yeah, Idaho has like that chimney that yeah. heads up north. They're, they're, they're at the top, the top of the t- they're the smoke out of the
1: chimney. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they literally bought a a twenty acre piece of land at the top of a fucking mountain. Yeah. It's I've heard other podcasts talk about this case and I've I've seen documentaries and stuff and like you really cannot like no one's displayed how desolate this is yeah. enough. Like you can't it literally like I didn't know you could buy pieces of land at the top of a mountain like this. It's oh yeah, absolutely it's insane. Like when you see like movies like uh what's the one with Leo where he's like fucking gets eaten by the bear, the oh the revenant. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. you see those sprawling shots across the mountains. Yeah. Like they're at the top of one of those mountains and they built yeah. a fucking like plywood cabin at the top of this thing.
0: Yeah, There's places in North Carolina like that, in western North Carolina like it's and a, eastern Tennessee. You hear
1: about how, how Randy would end up getting into like uh, arguments and like disputes with neighbors. I'm like, yep. where the fuck are the neighbors? Ten miles away? Like, How could you annoy a neighbor when you live at the top of a goddamn mountain? Your cougar's getting mad at you. Fucking...
0: Hey, your dog's shitting my yard again.
1: <laughs> you got bullhorns yelling at each other. What the fuck? Like, I, I think maybe the bears, you kept a bear up late yeah. at night and it's fucking f- submitting the complaints. What, what the fuck, yeah. man?
0: Quit dumping your slop in the woods. You're attracting the bears, you asshole.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly, man. I,
0: what? <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, so they would, around 1983, they bought this piece of land, and they would construct what would be end up being the family's home out of uh, scrap wood from
0: near nearby lumber yards. Yeah, like the way this sounds, I expect it to be a real shithole. It didn't but look he, so bad. It's not so bad. It didn't look so bad. A little bad. bit of paint? Right. Hey, a little bit of siding? This yeah. place would be the shit. Yeah, the, uh,
1: what's that show, the Alaskan family that lives out there on a fucking... Oh, I know what you're
0: talking about. Yeah,
1: it's kind of yeah. like that. Like it's unfinished, so mm-hmm. it doesn't look like it doesn't have stucco and stuff. But it's yeah. like a full on house. It's two stories. It's it's a nice place. Yeah. And they would like this. This is where the childhood you talked about, where they, mm-hmm. they have these fond memories of, you know, Sarah and and young um, what's his name, Samuel, Sammy, yeah. young Sammy, the playing together, yep. and they all depended on each other for their survival. It was all yeah. hard work. Like every day was just doing all the things. Yep. They didn't have running water.
0: Like nope. They didn't have electricity. No indoor plumbing. No electricity. Right. You had to wash the clothes like you know in the creek. Or there in, like, was a town that stuff.
1: was what um, like six miles away, like down. Well, oh, like, there a was dirt a general and... store
0: six miles away. It's yeah. like where I live. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> the town's like an hour away, probably. Right. Yeah.
1: And but they probably wouldn't go
0: down there a whole lot. There's mainly. No. Stay up at their cabin. It was a lot of board games and right. Well, the, all the stuff that they'd been studying up until here really came in handy as far as farming and and they would hunt on the land. Yeah, you know, there's no there's no hunting season there. It's like every season is hunting season. Right, a lot of shooting going on, and that yeah. was some of the I think some of the disputes they would get into with I don't like
1: I said I don't know how they have neighbors. <laughs> they managed to get into it with one neighbor that they had. Right, and that would be a big catalyst to the the bad events that would come. Some say,
0: yeah. Well, these yeah, and these kids were trained to use guns at like eight, nine years old. Right, walking around with a, with a twenty-two on their back, you know, mm-hmm. at this age, that was just normal. It was it was not only, you know, it was not only allowed; it was it was mandatory because there's animals out here, you know. They didn't want right. the kids running into you know wolves or whatnot. So. Yeah, yeah. The Weaver children would be homeschooled. Um, they, oh, you think <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly? <laughs> uh, and sometime in the mid 1980s, the Weavers uh, taken a teenager named Kevin Harris. Um, he would yeah. end up being like Randy would end up calling him the stepson, and, right? Like he'd be like stepbrother and sister. Yeah. to I wonder Sarah. Where, they, where did they meet
0: Harris at? I, I didn't find, I'm not sure. Maybe he was in uh, some of the meetings they were going but to. But he's
1: another kid that's a little, I think he's a little older than Sam, yeah. And he's, he's also quite a bit older than Sam, like gun toter, yeah. You know, um, by this time, Randy's views were becoming it seemed more racist, and he's using the Bible as a means to justify. That's what's so crazy about the Bible is like what it's, it almost seems like if you want to believe something you it's can find parts yeah you can find parts of the Bible to Absolutely. justify them and Feel that's what just they were about doing. anything yeah yeah Randy began hanging out at the Aryan Nations headquarters that was about sixty miles south of the of his home in Ruby Ridge where else
0: is he going to go to meet friends Lauren hey (laughs) that's no that's that's the way they make it out in the documentaries don't they they're like he was just looking for friendship and (laughs) god
1: when you see the video the footage of this place though oh god it's so creepy it is so creepy it is so
0: creepy that that old
1: white guy that was like the leader he
0: looks like a reverend
1: oh i forget his name but it's creepy he's so fucking creepy man like if you've seen the movie red state like it's about waco but it's like kind of like that kind of level of creepiness or um a oh, really good movie about white supremacists and white separatists in Oregon, um, horror movie that came out a couple years ago. Uh, what the hell is it called? Green Room. Oh, okay. Green Room is a great movie, and they've got like a deep in the woods, they've got a white supremacist mm-hmm. hangout, and uh, that's what this place looked like. Patrick Stewart from Star Trek and stuff plays the yeah. old creepy leader of this white oh, supremacist man. group in Green Room. Highly recommend that movie. It's 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 so intense. I bet that is, especially it being some, watch like Halloween show. season. You know, it's yeah. kind of it's not. I wouldn't say call it a horror movie. It is technically, but it's more of a thriller. Mm-hmm. But it gives you, I think, the sense that like this camp, um, sixty miles south of Rand- of the Weaver's place. Yeah, very like there's dudes walking around literally in like uh, neo Nazi memorabilia. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Like, like the arm sashes
1: and everything. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just like you losers, like.
0: And then there get was get a life.
1: Like obviously you're cowards too because you're up in the right. middle of the woods where you know no black person's ever going to stumble across this place. Like, right. And then you're all
0: empowered. Yeah. You know. But honestly, and also what made it really pathetic for me. Sorry to cut you off, but what about, it made it really pathetic for me was there were people that that weren't even. Christians that didn't even follow their so-called biblical preachings, and they accepted them with open arms. As long as you were racist, you could come in. Right? Like they literally be, had a could, sign could, at the gate that yeah. said "whites only." Like it's yeah. That, you fucking... could be a devil worshiper, but if if you're whites only, come on in. You you know, your family. Right. But they try to base everything. On on the Bible and these scriptures and things. Yes. That's that's what's so creepy about and it. And it's also very it's just apocalyptic.
1: It's very apocalyptic. Their whole message was that the white race was gonna become extinct, yeah. that we were being outbred by other races and stuff like I'm saying we that was, I <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not one of these motherfuckers, okay? <laughs> Calm down. Are we Lord? <laughs> no, definitely not. I'm just a white guy. So, okay. <laughs> just... okay. Um but like we as a white race we're being outbred in all
0: this stupid shit. Yeah.
1: You know, and it's like, well, okay, if we are, what's gonna happen? You know? Dude,
0: we're all going to be like light brown it's gonna be before fine. long anyways. Honestly, it's everybody's, be fine. everybody's
1: mingling, it's and that's fucking cool with me. That's yeah. fine. It's totally cool. I'm not going to go up in the woods and like, you know, you're over there. We're over here. <laughs> yeah. I like it over here. You like it over there. Stay away from me. Yeah. And keep so, your so, dog, dude. But honestly, most of them were yeah. in the sense like – Harmless in a yeah. sense that they just wanted to be left to themselves. That's fine. You fucking morons, go out there and do what you want to do. Walk right. around your fucking Nazi shit. And that's how they- as long as you're not actively harming anyone. Right. Where it went bad was that they had a group of guys within that Aryan Nations compound. They were calling themselves the Order, and it was led by uh, a guy named Bob Matthews. Yeah. He, he had a group gathered together a group of guys that were kind of like. Like this Aryan Nations compound, they weren't about action. They would they were all talk.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, and but these, the order these young
1: guys, the order, they were like
0: Yeah, they were know, different.
1: They were they were like, We're gonna be we're gonna do yep. shit. And they were kind of on the down low, they were doing a bunch of shit. Yeah. I don't even know that like the leaders of the They o- were
0: they would I would call them the radicals of oh, the Aryan absolutely. Nation. For sure.
1: Yeah, they were about action. They were actively committing robberies, small bombings, mm-hmm. and where it really um caught the eye of like the, the public was when they assassinated a Jewish radio personality by the name of Allen Berg. In Denver, Colorado. If you if you watch footage of Allen Berger he's he seemed like he was really good at what he did. He's right. like he really good at pissing off the radical right. Oh, okay. He would go, he's on it, he had his own radio show and he right. would take callers from these these dummies Oh, and just roast them. And just roast them. Like yeah. you say, you know, you're all, you can't be American unless you're Christian and blah blah blah. And like you can't be a Jewish American, and like right. and he would just hang up on them and make them look like fools. Well, they got together an assassin assassination squad, the order did. And from Idaho, up at the top of Idaho, they sent people down to Denver and actually shot Allenberg in his driveway when he was mm. getting in his car one morning and killed him. And so these things, you know, you, you got to know that already uh, the government, FBI is keeping an eye on this Aryan and Nations this compound. Yeah. But now that these things are happening- there's... That was
0: the main area of focus. Right. They weren't worried about the Weavers. Because no. the Weavers weren't doing anything wrong at this point.
1: Right. However, so what happens is they're keeping an eye on the Aryan Nation's compound, and now mm-hmm. they're starting to get a little more intense with their surveillance yeah. of this compound because of what the order's doing. Exactly. And so they end up getting a... Um, uh, an undercover agent. Undercover agent into the compound. Right. And basically, he was already one of those guys, though. From See, he was, I think... He was. He was. His name was uh, Kenneth Fatterly, um, a.k.a. Gus Magazzino. Magazzano. He was... Yeah. Basically, he was... Um, Turning in, turning on people in the Aryan Nation. He had been charged with illegally selling firearms, but made a deal with the ATF so he wouldn't have to serve time. So uh-huh. he was one of them. The ATF got him for a firearms charge, and yeah. they started using him as an informant to get inside the Aryan Nations. Right. Um, which is what they tried to do with Randy Weaver. When Randy Weaver starts coming around, he's the new guy I at think, the
0: compound. I think Gus wanted to pass the torch because Gus got caught in this the same trap that Randy got caught in mm-hmm. before, and he's like. He's probably thinking, you know, I want out. This is getting dangerous, and the FBI and the, uh, you know, the ATF is like, okay, you find a replacement, and then you can get out. We need somebody to do our bidding in there. That's possible. Right.
1: So what this guy does is he's been he's been hanging out around the compound for a couple of years, right? But I'm sure the people that have been there for a long time mm-hmm. kind of like are a little more weary of the Yeah, he's still not
0: accepted into the circle.
1: Yeah, he's not able to sucker them the way he was. Randy, Randy was a new guy, and he starts getting in tight with Randy, and Randy considered him a friend, Mm -hmm. liked the guy, and um, after a while, this guy comes up to Randy and asks him if he could, uh, maybe Randy could saw off some shotguns for him. right. And that was his plan. He was going to have Randy sell him some illegal firearms. Yep. Basically, the shotguns were legal, but once you cut them down to a certain length the barrels, yep. they become illegal. And he asked exactly. them to cut them down just below the legal limit, of course, so that they could get him on this firearms charge and try to make right. him into an informant.
0: And now Randy's so
1: entrapment, basically, is it what's is. happening here.
0: And also, it was very tempting for Randy because, you know, he's living off the land. Um, he doesn't have steady work. And so anytime they can get a little bit of cash, you know, it helps. Yeah, they're completely independent and off the grid, but it still helps to have money. There's certain things that you can't make. Right. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so, you know, his family was in a tough way here. So this was very tempting for him. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about that way, too. Randy's not just like somebody looking to make money on the black market. Like he was in kind of a desperate situation. Right. And so Randy agrees. And in 1989, he sells the two sawed off
1: shotguns to Fatterly illegally. Now, these were cut like a quarter of an inch. Below oh, the legal God. limit. It's not yeah. like we're talking pocket shotguns here. You're like it was literally like,
0: like <laughs> yeah. a quarter of an inch is what a quarter of an this inch. whole thing began.
1: That, that came could be from. the
0: width of a saw blade.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to think this is like a quarter of an inch on a shotgun barrel is what spawned this whole thing. Yep. So, wow, you're getting deep on us. I know. I'm sorry. That's
0: uh, all right.
1: So this gave the ATF leverage against Randy. They offered him. They brought him in, and they offered him to become an informant. For the ATF, right, and infiltrate the compound and yeah. basically just l- let them know what the things that are going on, who's yeah. doing what, you know, keep it maybe if you can get one of the order to right you know, give up some information, blah blah blah. Of course, Randy, being Randy, <laughs> He's like go to hell, anti-government <laughs> says fuck you, yeah, it's not happening. How about I uh, don't do that and also fuck you, right? So. <laughs> um, Vicky would write the uh, Aryan Nation a letter to inform them and warn them about the ATF trying to infiltrate their group. Vicky was writing a lot of letters. She was. She, she was, was quite a letter, like letter writer. writer. And could, they, they
0: looked good actually. Yeah, I was going to say she had really amazing good penmanship. really
1: good handwriting.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> very beautiful cursive.
0: Yeah. Very very um uh what's colorful with her word choice as well. She yeah. she could really paint a picture. Yeah. She spent a lot of time in the Bible. Yeah. I could tell. Oh, no doubt. Right. Yeah, didn't she use some like she said some like, like, Queen of Babylon, Queen of something. Babylon, in one yeah. of her letters? Yeah, that was one that she wrote. That was common language for the Aryan nation, though. Yeah, then they 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 spoke like that. They wanted very to, Old Testament. Wanted to feel writings. very superior. I think is they, they uh-huh. I think that's part of the uh, appeal to speaking that way. Right. In
1: December of 1990, Randy would be indicted on federal arms firearms charges. Of course, he's not planning on doing, and he's not planning no. on <laughs> actually showing up. Right. On uh, and in January of 1991. The ATF would stage, so this is a year goes by, right? And the ATF would stage a breakdown along a road near Randy's house. And Randy, yeah. being, being uh, a because nice guy, pulls over and tries to help him. Very right. Bonnie and Clyde type situation here. Yeah, it is. And they would slam him, him in his face into the uh, snow. I guess it was a snowy day. And Sarah mm-hmm. described this in an interview later on, yep. how they got pulled over. And of course, the kids don't know what the hell's going on. All right. of a sudden, her dad's getting slammed face first in the snow and arrested. Yep. And he would be arrested. And um, he would end up posting bail the next day. They put a property bail of $10,000. So basically, they're threatening to take his house if he didn't show up to court. Right. They set a court date. Um, and the court date was for February 20th, 1991.
0: Um, and of course, but he received the letter that said March. They got the date wrong. Yeah. So he didn't really know when to go, but not like it mattered. He wasn't going to go. He wasn't going, but still, that kind of gave them a little wiggle room to fight this. And also, how are
1: they getting these letters to his cabin at the top of a mountain? Because no one's bringing them up there. They uh, know. Messenger pigeon. Right. Yeah. His lawyer, I guess there was a breakdown between the lawyer who was supposed to bring these messages from the court mm-hmm. when the court date was changed. It's it's highly believed that the, the lawyer never like notified him because he didn't he couldn't just pick up a phone and call. Him. They didn't have right. Weavers didn't have a phone. Right, they didn't have the internet. No, nope. didn't have any. There was no emails. And the it was wasn't basically, even <laughs> he would have to drive to the top of this rocky dirt road to the yeah. top of this mountain where there are all the gun toters and yeah. the dogs are up there and bring the letter and serve him the new court date right from the uh
0: yeah. And he's got kids walking around with rifles on their backs around the property, dogs. Yeah, so you can (laughs) see
1: you can see the uh reluctance from the lawyer standpoint to go up (laughs) there. Absolutely. And so what happens is he doesn't show up for the court date. His his defense is that it was changed and he wasn't told. Right. But we know he wouldn't showed up anyway. And and also how else are they supposed to get you the letter we talked about that. Right, right. Anyway, so he doesn't show up to his court date, and a bench warrant is issued for Randy, and is officially declared a fugitive at this point. Now, this is where the uh, marshal comes in, right? The federal marshal yeah. in Idaho is now in a situation where he's got to hes, he's kind of—he's got to do something. He's got to—he yeah. can't just let this fugitive. The court judge is like, you know get where him. he is? Go get him! Yeah, yeah. The federal judge is saying is giving this marshal shit like, you need yeah. to go get this guy and bring him in, and and. um of course, the marshal's a little nervous about going Well, there's there. kids on he, the What the marshal does is he thinks he has time on his side because they know where Randy is. Right. He's up at the top of this mountain with his family, and he's not going anywhere. So what, no. what the marshal does is he starts going around and talking to everyone that knows Randy. Yep.
0: And, he, and also surveying the property at the same time. Yeah,
1: keeping an eye on the property, keeping an eye on if Randy leaves the property. And setting may, up cameras. May, hoping to snatch him up there in that sense. Um but he's also finding out from everyone Randy knows that it's not going to be as simple as just go on up there knock on the door and no. come on Randy we're going into the you know federal courthouse right you missed your your uh, date there it's not it's not going to go down like that right. and so it's like a lot of time goes by here mm-hmm. and there's stuff being written in the papers like uh
0: local white supremacist is is refusing to yeah. come down from the mountain in cabin on and hill, it starts and, to look um, bad yeah you know and they're really they're really digging into their lives here, though. They're like setting up surveillance, and the Weavers have no idea this stuff is happening. Right? There's like there's surveillance footage that the uh, FBI had of like kids walking around with guns on their backs. This and, is like, the part of the documentary that so tripped weird. me out. That in
1: March this March of 1992, the Marshall Special Operations Group, the SOG, they're the real. Shitheads of this whole fucking thing, in my in my opinion, I think it was just some bad decisions. It was but some, the SOG some decisions. fucked this whole thing up they so did. much worse than even the FBI did, honestly. Yeah. And so they set up this special operations group, and they put up cameras in the woods, looking yep. upon the Weavers' property, unbeknownst to the Weavers. Yeah. This shit is in 1992. They've got live cameras.
0: Live cameras.
1: In the woods. This is everything Multiple the Weavers feasts. have been
0: talking about. This yeah. Is everything. <laughs> all of the people have been calling people. them crazy, and there's literally cameras on their property. <laughs> right.
1: And then we are, now we're nowadays in 2017, we're, we all got cameras on our devices come that are looking work. right at our face, and we don't we yeah. don't think there's people that we are looking think- through those. That <laughs> come on, I've got tape over my shit right now. <laughs> oh, I saw that episode. There can uh, I borrow some tape? I saw that episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, no. I've been, I've been nervous to watch that. Okay, so, but in 1992, they've got live cameras facing the Weavers, keeping an eye on them. Yeah. And they set up this operation. Now, I after watching the documentary, I thought yeah. it was one thing. After hearing uh, interviews with Randy Weaver, nope. it made a lot more sense what he said yeah. they were planning to do. So they set up um, a, an operation with six guys, right? Okay. Six SOG special operations. Right.
0: These are trained guys, supposedly, in surveillance
1: and stealth. They're in full camo. information. Full camo. They yeah. take a hike up the mountain to the Weaver's place, and they split into two at this Y.
0: Yeah.
1: A fork, and uh, three of them go up above the the uh, property to keep an eye down, and then the other three. Now, Weaver says that their goal here, after later like putting the pieces together, mm-hmm. was that they were going to kill the family dog because- The dog was gonna, they basically wanted to set up a sting operation where they could swoop into the house, do a a sting, grab Randy, and bring him in. Mm -hmm. They wanted to like catch him off guard on the property, but if the dog was there, they were never gonna be able to sneak up on him. That's right. And so he believes, and it makes a hell of a lot of sense that the SOG was gonna go in and kill the dog with, they had a silenced. Uh, oh, rifles, shit. and they were going to go up, kill the dog. Like yeah. they coaxed them out. They, they even admitted they were throwing rocks at the house. Yep, and that's yep. why the dog came out barking. Yep, chased these three guys down, and they were going to take him out Dude, on the that trail. Does
0: make a shit ton of sense? It does.
1: And w- what Randy says is that the dog was shot. They end up killing the dog. Just to we'll get, just get to what happened. Basically, the dog comes running down, barking, and mm-hmm. of course, these are the Weavers with their guns and everything. Young Samuel and um, Kevin Harris. Kevin Harris. Come following the dog to see what it was, now at the time, Sarah said that she figured it was uh, maybe a moose or something. The right. dog was barking at. They had, no, I mean, times passed. They're almost thinking like, okay, nothing's really going to happen nothing's with this one. All he did yeah. was fail to appear in court for some stupid sawed-off shotguns. Right. They, they're not thinking there's dudes that are working for some special teams. Yeah. Or they're with being surveilled twenty four hours a exactly. day. Exactly. They, I they think they think, especially the young kids, the family, like Samuel Weaver, yeah. did, has no idea. He probably thinks the dog is chasing some kind of an animal or whatever. Right. He goes following the dog down the trail. The, the uh, cops end up shooting the dog. Now, what Randy says, the dog was shot, like, through the butt, and the bullet, like, came out of its mouth or something. Like, it was shot from behind, so there was no threat of the dog attacking
0: them. The dog was probably still looking for him.
1: Yeah, well, whether that's true or not, you know, I mean, this is Randy's account, so we right. have to take into account that obviously Could have been the other way
0: around. It could have been. Most it, likely. Through the mouth and out yeah. the
1: butt. Yeah, who knows. Either way, Samuel comes down, sees that his dog has been killed. And, and reacts how a 14-year-old kid would react when seeing his dog, his beloved family dog, killed. has been killed. and he's just someone some in camo. These guys aren't uniformed. Some dudes in camo. If yeah. all he knows, it could be hunters. Exactly. Or whatever it was. He fires at them. They fire back. Kevin Harris gets involved. Yep. And basically, the first shots that were fired towards Sam hit him in the elbow almost taking his arm off. Yeah. And he turns to try and run back. He's now been shot, and he's scared for his life. Yeah. And he says, oh, shit, they shot me. And that that's Kevin Harris's account. He ends up living to tell right, the tale. Right, He says, you know... All this adds up. It does. And Sam was for sure shot from behind. Even, yep. the, and even the federal... Yep, even they said he was shot from behind. They said that he was shot. So he was running back towards the house when they shot him up his back and blew out his heart according to... Um, Corner? No, according to his father. Oh, uh, and so they end up killing fourteen-year-old yeah. Kevin Harris. No, uh, no, Samuel. I mean Samuel. Kevin Harris fires back and ends up killing one of the as uh, special operations guys. Yep. Bill Deegan was his name. Would end up dead. Be dead at the scene. And uh, so you got you got Deegan rounds. is also
0: the one that shot the dog. Just yeah. Let's that be clear. He's he's supposedly Striker, fired
1: first. Stryker was the dog's name. Coincidentally. Yeah. Um, Bill Deegan had fired seven rounds from an N-16. Larry Cooper, one of the other SOG guys, had fired six rounds from a 9mm Colt submachine gun. Mm -hmm. Sam Weaver was firing from a 223 Ruger Mini-14, and Kevin Harris fired two rounds from his .30-06, which ended up killing Bill Deegan. Right. Now, the the groups would then part ways. Uh, Kevin Harris would run back to camp to inform the rest of the Weavers that young Sam and the dog striker had been killed by some guys in camo fatigues. Yeah. In the woods. That's all they know. They're probably shocked as hell that this just happened. Obviously, the Weavers are hearing yeah. all this gunfire going off.
0: According to Kevin Harris, they did not announce themselves. According to the Marshals, they did. Right. So, take yeah. it or leave it. Yeah. So,
1: this obviously, this whole thing escalated very quickly. And now the guys for the SOG team are kind of like staying there. They're not sure yeah. what's going on. They're afraid to head back down. They've got their guy dead. They've got one of the Weavers dead. And once uh, Kevin Harris gets back up and tells Randy and, and, uh, and the mom and, and, right. and Sarah and all them they I uh, think believe is Randy and of course Vicky Vicky had to go down and get her son. She said we can't oh, leave yeah, him down absolutely. there. So um, Randy and Vicky go down to get Samuel. And I, apparently the SOG guys were hiding in the bushes, like right next to that. Yeah, and they didn't they, they didn't, didn't attempt to take Randy down. Randy was screaming and see, obviously curse words at the top of his lungs. And see, if they would have believed that they were in the right and what they did, then
0: if, they would have taken if their story. Down, right? If their story is true, why not take Randy? Because exactly. you haven't done anything wrong.
1: Right. They sit there and watch them pick up their son's body and Cause take him. Because they know back they'd to...
0: done enough. Yep. They'd done enough.
1: They'd, they'd fucked up. Yep. But do they correct their wrongs here? Of course not. They make it worse. They go, back backup, down, they go back down. They go back down. They call for backup in the sense, and they tell a bunch of wrong information to the yep. FBI. And within 24 hours, the FBI is up there on that mountain
0: because now we have a dead U.S. marshal. Yes. Now it's a total They're saying we need
1: a, the, the guy comes to, from the SOG. The uh, um, the marshal goes down, calls in the FBI, and says, "Bring everybody you got. We had a standoff yeah. with the Weavers. Uh, one of our guys is dead. Um, I don't know if he does. He even tell them that they had killed one of theirs, one of the Weavers, or no." Tell they them
0: say they didn't know that Sam was dead at oh, the time. Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me! I mean, you freaking shot right. him straight up the back
1: with you know a assault so, rifle. This yeah. is why I say the SOG is mainly the uh, the the, the marshals here. Their little special yeah. team they set up is the most responsible for the way things go because the FBI is told that this is a much seri- a much more different situation than it actually was. Right.
0: Well, all all they're hearing at this time is there's a dead U.S. marshal, right? And, and it, was it was killed on the this weird. guy's property. Right. Yeah,
1: and so the next day, the FBI comes in strong. They've got their best snipers sitting in trees, surrounding the Weavers' property. Yeah, and they have basically been told that their rules of engagement are to shoot any adult with with a gun. Yep, and any they don't armed even have, adult. They don't even have to have it in their hands. It can yep. just be. They can just be. And the armed. Weavers always have guns. They always have guns, and they know that. And they're also told that they don't even have to announce themselves. They don't have to say. This is the FBI, drop your weapon. They literally, if they see them through a scope with yep. a gun, they can open up on them.
0: They can. Yeah,
1: obviously. And and also parts of the rules of engagement were as long as it didn't endanger any children nearby. So as long no. as it was an adult with a gun right. and they were in the open with no kids around, they could shoot them. Now,
0: these rules of engagement were changed for this case. Yes, which would be one thing that would, the FBI would change after Ruby Ridge. Yeah, they changed it back. Right. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this... This was crazy. So the guy that actually changed this rules of engagement is is got a quite a bit of blame on him as well. Yeah, the guy that went straight to the top and I, was he the one that got
1: canned? I think there was the guy that was like just below the top FBI the head of the FBI was yeah. was canned I, after
0: this whole shit show. I don't know if it was him or not. Actually, I don't think it was him because I remember thinking that's the guy that should have got canned, Yeah, but somebody's got to take the blame, so yeah. it might as well be his his next in line. One guy that would
1: get a lot of fingers pointed at him that worked for the FBI and was one of the top snipers in the world was a guy named Lon Harucci. Harucci. Now, Timothy McVeigh had a special hatred for this guy because, like we said, Lon Harucci well, did some kind of suspect right. stuff that we're about to find out at well, Ruby A lot Ridge. of these
0: white supremacists did. These white oh, hated, national, or separatists rather. Hated yeah. this
1: specific FBI sniper yeah. because but at the same time he was acting within the bounds of He was just following orders. He was. Um
0: And that but is he what really he took an oath to do. Now, yeah, he, he has to pull the trigger, but he's not he's not his his training is not to make decisions. His training is However, to follow orders. The shot
1: that really makes this Ruby Ridge thing so tragic was fired by this guy and it wasn't really Absolutely. within it wasn't even really within the crazy rules of engagement that were given to them like this was out of bounds like the Mm -hmm. shot that he takes um timothy McVeigh hated this sniper lon horiuchi so much when he would work at gun shows and hand out free cards uh he would he would would work at gun shows and he would hand out free cards printed with horiuchi's name and address in the hope in the hope that some some uh somebody in the patriot movement would assassinate him um he wrote hate mail to the sniper why did McVeigh do it
0: Oh, I know. Like, right?
1: <laughs> you're such a badass, right? Right. You're
0: such a badass. Why don't you make a bomb for him?
1: He wrote hate mail to the sniper suggesting that what comes around or what goes around comes around. He considered targeting Horiuchi or a member of his family before he ended up setting off the bomb attack at the federal building. Oh, um, so now we're to that next morning after the uh, first day when now the FBI's in, in trees. Mm -hmm. They got snipers set up all around the camp. They've been given these rules of engagement. Right. And um, Randy, Kevin Harris, and Sarah Weaver are seen leaving the house. They were going to go see Sam. At least Randy was going to go into the shed that they had put Samuel's body in. Right. He wanted to see his son one more time. Yeah. And so he's going over there. And according to his account, he's going over to the shed where his son is, and he reaches his hand up to hit the lever, the latch to open the door, and that's when he's shot through the shoulder. Yep. Um, like came, obviously shot through the back, kind of came out his armpit. Yeah, and missed, he was and, his heart. And he says idle. he he thought that someone had walked up right behind him. And he said, "I knew I was dead. I turned around and I was just going to spit in their face and one, you know, just to insult them before they killed me and executed yeah. me." And he said he turned around and no one was there. And that's when he started that's running. Scary. The, <laughs> yeah, that's when he started running back to the house. Also, you got Sarah and uh, um, Kevin, Harris Kevin Harris running Harris, back yeah. to the house. And at this point, the the mom opens the door. Screaming
0: for them to get inside. Get inside. What the hell's the going and, on? Yeah. Randy
1: says, I've been shot. and, and She's also al- holding the baby. Holding their infant child. Yeah. What was the the baby's name? I can't remember. It was a an interesting... Alishiba. El- Alishiba. El- 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 I believe it's like a Bible name. Yeah. Um, she's holding the baby, um, opening the door for the, the Weavers to get back inside, and that's when a second shot rings out from Horiuchi, and it, it goes through... Kevin. The, I, some say it goes through the door... One way or another, it strikes Vicky in the head, killing her instantly, and it goes through her head and strikes Kevin Harris in the shoulder. Yeah. It bounces through, lands within two inches of his heart, nearly killing him. Yeah. And so right there, you've got Vicky Weaver dead on the floor. with She'd been killed, shot
0: holding her infant... Killed in front of the rest of her family. Holding
1: her infant daughter. Sarah's there. Her, body is, her dead Sarah, body is on top yeah. of the baby, who is luckily okay. Um, Sarah says that she got hit by, like, her mom's skull fragments and, like, brain matter. Yeah. There's, like, brain matter on the baby. Like, it's all over the place. Her head's basically
0: blown off. Yeah, and she referenced how it felt. She said that was the first time she realized that they were literally being hunted. Yeah, Sarah said. On their own property. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, there's interviews with her in the PBS documentary are amazing. Right. She made me cry. I'm not gonna lie. She made me cry. Now, the
1: FBI claims that they had not known that Vicky had been killed. Whether Horiuchi knew that he had done this, mm-hmm. it seems Possible either way because sometimes, you know, when you're sh- if you've ever shot a rifle with a scope, you shoot and it takes a second to realize what you whether you hit something or not because there's yeah. a recoil of the gun and whatnot.
0: Or um, maybe he's thinking two for one. Regardless, he
1: shouldn't have shot towards the door with a bunch of people going into the house. Right. You don't shoot into a house when yeah. there's kids. Right. Period. Like no matter what your rules of engagement were, they were to not put kids in danger. You yep. shot a woman in the face that was holding a baby. Yeah. Any like Absolutely. a couple You're inches right. one way or another and that baby's dead. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean as far as where you there's definitely some blame there as far as no matter what he's. Now was there's there's also a do. theory
0: that Vicky was the target. Yeah. Because a lot, like we said before, she was Vicky, the minds behind. Vicky is the is the public speaker for this family right yeah. now. Like you know, they don't like Lauren said earlier. They don't have telephones. They have no ways of communicating with the outside world. Mm-hmm. But Vicky is writing letters to federal agents and these and these people and offices and all this stuff. So she's like the voice. Right. So I think there's a theory that people started blaming her. They're like, well, if we take Vicky, Randy's going to crumble. Mm-hmm. He's going to quit because he's got no. The mastermind is gone. Right. So there is there is theory, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, this guy, as a renowned sniper as he was, you really think he's going to miss that bad if he's mm-hmm. aiming for Kevin? Right. Looks like he hit his target to me. Maybe. It's very possible.
1: Now the Weavers are aware that they're being hunted; that they will be shot on sight. They're afraid to leave the house. This begins the the real standoff at Ruby Ridge. Yeah. On where both sides know what's going on. All the Weavers have been unbeknownst to the fact that they've been surrounded for a while. Now they're completely aware, and. It looks now at this point. There's been so many different government agencies brought in. Right. You know, we talked about how the FBI is now involved. You got the, uh, um, the ATF. ATF there. uh, Local police. State police. police, State police. It looks basically like mash. Like just a couple <laughs> miles down the yeah. hill, there's a big yeah. opening. There's yeah, a they set
0: up camp. They knew yeah. they were going to be there. There was for a, a while. field,
1: and there were hundreds of government employees and law do, enforcement agencies. Yeah. They were all walking around in shorts. They had tents set up. Yeah, they're out there playing badminton. Yeah,
0: no, no, seriously. But they are like having. It looks like a barbecue. Yeah, it does. It looks like they're just. They've out there got there armored.
1: They've got armored uh, personnel carriers driving through that look like tanks driving yeah. through. For this little family up at the top of a mountain. Yep. And uh, so now the weavers are held up their mother. Her head's blown off.
0: She's and sitting supposedly in the kitchen, they didn't know that at the time. Laying
1: on the kitchen floor. They can't even like put her body anywhere because they right. can't leave the house. They can't take it out to where Sam's body is. And yeah. then they've got uh, Kevin Harris who's on the verge of dying. Like he's bleeding out. Yeah, He's got a bullet that's lodged a couple inches from his heart. Right. He's in agony. He's, he's uh, I guess, um, Randy would come out and later say that there were several times that Kevin Harris had told him, just kill me. Just yeah. end it. It's so painful. Like, yeah. He,
0: he was even trying to coax Sarah into it. Right. She said in one of her interviews, she said that he would try to like sneak her a pistol and just be like, just put me out of my misery. Right. Just end this for me. And you know, none of them did it, luckily, and he actually made it. But now also, there, the police are... They're still trying to get in contact, so they're they have no way of calling them, like we said. Mm-hmm. So they're using a loudspeaker, mm-hmm. so they're just shouting things through the forest.
1: And at one of them. the real one of the and real crazy taunt, things they
0: they feel like it's taunting them.
1: The, the weavers feel as though the that the FBI is taunting them because some of the things they're saying yeah. they're saying like Vicky, we've got pancakes out here. Come out here and bring your kids. We'll have breakfast. Yeah, because the FBI you kind of have to believe that Horiuchi. Even if he knew what he had done, he didn't tell them because it's it's hard to believe they would do. They would be that sadistic as to know
0: that uh, that Vicky was dead and that they. I would really hope things they like did that. not know. I really don't think they did, because that's some terrible psychological warfare. And I don't really put that past them, though. I don't. I don't. Put right, that past because some it. of the things that uh, that was that were done at Waco, yeah. where they were playing songs yep, meant yep. to
1: drive them crazy. They were they were like at Waco. I guess they were even playing like on repeat the sounds of
0: rab- rabbits dying. Yeah. into the compound Just to try awful. and drive it was the people loud nuts. too, like all hours of the night, couldn't right. sleep. Yeah. Shining bright lights in the windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so they're
1: trying to get the Weavers to uh, basically come out and surrender, but the Weavers are still on the impression if they leave these doors or if they get too close to a window, they're going to be killed. They've seen yeah, their their little brother, their son get killed. They've seen their mother and their their wife get killed. Yeah. And they're not leaving this fucking house. Like, they're scared for their they're lives. Like, in lockdown and, mode, they're staying in the middle of the house. And and not only that, the they windows. don't feel like their word's going to get out there. It's going to be... We're going to all be dead, and then it's going to be whatever the FBI said happened, happened. Yep. And so like, their best chance, they think, is just to hold up as long as they can and then hope for the best.
0: I feel like that was the biggest drive for Randy at this time. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, what else does he have to lose, to right. give up? I mean, I know he has his daughter Sarah and Kevin and then the baby, but they're not going to be shot if he gives himself up. So I feel like he wanted to make a statement here. In this part of the standoff, right, he had no choice but, in his mind, but to, to wait it out. Now, the
1: the uh, law enforcement agencies—they're down. They've got like a roadblock set up that goes to the from the road that goes up to the Weaver's house, right? And there's becoming gatherings of all the local friends of the Weavers. Uh, a lot of the white supremacists are using this as a, an opportunity to yeah. spread their anti-government hatred. They've got picket signs out there. They're calling—if the, they don't even know that Vicky's dead yet—but they're still putting holding up signs. They're calling these. These guys, baby killers, are you proud of yourself? And Yeah, because they do know Sammy's dead. They do know Sam's dead. They know the dog's been killed, and they know there's this standoff going on, and it's becoming big news um, at this point. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they, they get kind of desperate, the uh, law enforcement. They, they pull in a guy named Bo Grites, who yep. <laughs> was uh, a, kind of a savior on the, the far Old right. Bo <laughs> Old Bo Grites. What's his uh, – we could do an episode on this guy. He's good.
0: Interesting. Character. Yeah, he was quite the uh, decorative, decorated veteran, but then turned anti-government, and he became like a spokesperson for these...
1: Right, and he was a decorated war hero.
0: Separatist. Yeah. Very um, interesting guy. Very uh,
1: charismatic. Very charismatic, yeah. Very, almost like an actor. Yeah. And there's, he's done interviews, and he played a big part in this thing ending... Obviously, it could never end it peacefully after what's already gone on, but right. somewhat of a better resolve to this whole thing. He's, yeah, they coax, they they convince Bogreitz to come in and and help try and end this standoff peacefully. So they send him up, and he agrees right. to walk up to the can to the uh, cabin.
0: He does too. He just walks
1: right up there. He does. He walks up. He's to the like cab- their Billy Graham, and he yells out, <laughs> "Randy," and, and Randy comes over the window. Bo, that you? <laughs> Bo, that <not> you? <laughs> and what? they they have a talk. And, um, obviously Randy's still not really open to the idea of, of ending this standoff or he doesn't feel safe. Right. Um, and, but they, they open up the line of communication there between Bo and him.
0: Yeah. Well, Bo was also a Green Beret too. Yeah. So they kind of had that in common. They felt like brothers, you know.
1: Right. Um, they would end up, uh, sending Bo back down. Um, but then Bo would come back up the next day and they're starting to become
0: a trust line here. Well, that first meeting, he tells Bo that they killed Vicky. And that's where they first yes, find that's out, Yes, what too. happened. That's yeah, what don't happened. forget about that. Bo it's, goes back down, yeah.
1: informs the FBI, which oh, the, the head of the FBI at the time then informs the public. Yeah. The media outlets are there, and he has an interview, and then there, he... Breaks the news that Vicky has been killed, and there's this large gasp that happens in the crowd. Mm-hmm. All the media. Oh man! And then it's on. It's it, on. Like all of the white supremacist guys are then oh, flooding gosh. up to this thing. They're angry. There's almost well, not full just guys, on, guys,
0: women, families, yeah. teenagers. They're holding up signs of protest and Nazi salutes. There's and almost calling them women and baby killers. It's amazing there wasn't violence that happened down there. Oh well, at, at that gathering. We could do infiltrate an army camp. I yeah. Mean, like what were they going to do? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it was. It was crazy then. Then the pressure was really on to make a decision. Right. You know? They couldn't... At this point, the word was out
1: that the FBI fucked up and they couldn't... They probably still had it in their in their cards to just, like, burn down this house. They've done, yeah. it, they've done it before. We forgot to mention the, the leader of the order,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Bob Matthews. When they finally caught up with him, there was a standoff that happened in a cabin kind of similar.
0: Right. And they burned him out? Burned
1: him out, man. They shot in, in, in wow. incendiary rounds, burned it down. Obviously, he was killed in the fire. Like Grand Theft but Auto, I'm sure, this was, I'm sure this was still within their cards to just go, you know what, before this thing gets out of hand mm-hmm. and before it, we'll, we'll keep it tight it to where it's within our agency. Really mm-hmm. knows the truth, and it doesn't get out to the public. Now the cat's out of the bag. People know yeah. Sam's been killed. They know Vicky's been killed. Yep, and this looks real bad on the FBI. No matter how it ends, but if it, if it ends to where the rest of the family is killed, it's going to be real bad. Yeah. So they've got to find a way to end this peacefully, and they're really dependent on Bogreitz to get this to get Randy to basically give up and come right. out of the cabin. He it's, was the perfect guy to do it. Yeah, and Bogreitz just... goes back up, <laughs> and he at least gets Randy to give. Um, the the stepson Kevin Harris. Kevin Harris. Yeah, he he, he, well, he goes up and he goes. You know what? You need to you need to hand over Kevin Harris. He's gonna die in here. Yep. He's dying. Give him to us. I'll make sure he gets down safely and gets treatment. Yeah. And, and he did. And so yeah, Randy gives Kevin Harris. He brings him down. They put him in a stretcher. They take him away for treatment.
0: Bo Grace was kind of kind of the shit man. He was. He just kind of. <laughs> they did what he said. Both sides. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he just rolled up in there like the Messiah. <laughs> right. Badass mustache too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um,
1: so that would they'd end up depending on Bogreitz even more. Bo finally, basically, the way this whole thing ends is Bogreitz goes up there. Randy tells him, "I'm not. We've decided. I've talked to the do- to the girls. Um, we're not coming out of here. They're gonna have to kill us all." And Bo, yeah. Bo, in a moment of heroic, just I, I guess just pitches him and yeah. says, "You know what? You can't do this to your daughters. This isn't right, Randy. You need to give this thing up, and I'll make sure that you and your daughters get out of here safely." And Randy said, I guess he doesn't even turn around. He just tells his daughters. And, <laughs> he probably just went up there and knocked on the door and said,
0: get your ass down this <laughs> hill, <tail, laughs> motherfucker. You don't get <laughs> out of this door you in 10 get-
1: seconds. <laughs> All
0: right, Bo. <laughs> yeah, so and basically. he went out kicking. <laughs> Basically, uh,
1: he tells um, Sarah to get the stuff, yeah. And they they make their way down. And Sarah said that when she left the door, she was fully expected to be shot. She thought she was gonna. Yeah, be they killed. still thought they were being led to their deaths. Yep. And when they got down there, they saw how big this thing has got had gotten. They saw the field filled with guys in shorts playing badminton and yeah. the tanks and shit and. and how crazy it had gotten, and Randy's crying about his his wife and how beautiful she was,
0: and it was really just a sad. Yeah. Oh God, when he said that on the stretcher, he's, oh he he said, "I wish I'd have never cut in on that dance." He said, "I yeah. wish I'd have just let my buddy have her. Yeah. She'd yeah. still be alive." I was like, "Oh, damn. right. That's hard. That's harsh." Yeah. So I mean, it all
1: at least it it ended there, and there was a lot of lessons to be. Yeah. A lot of stuff was changed because of Ruby Ridge, and it's still one of those things that a lot of people on the right, the, the radical right, a lot of racists call right. out, anti government people, they call out Ruby Ridge. Well, it, it, it there did was change. It lot bring a lot, of st- a lot of good change. There was a lot of good change. There was a lot of stubbornness on both sides that, to where this thing never had to get to where it was. A lot of ego involved. Yeah. That's one thing that drives me crazy is when law enforcement um, lets ego take over instead of the law. You know what I mean? Right. They go, they, they killed one of our guys. I get it. Yep. That's no one wants to see a, a cop killed or right, you know, but it still deserves, killed.
0: it. Still deserves investigation. It still deserves a trial. They, for ultimately,
1: that. it was it from the Weaver standpoint that was self defense. They they yeah. had people in cam in camo fatigues with rifles come up to their house and kill their dog. Yep, and a fourteen year old kid ended up dead over it. That was one hundred percent would hold up in court and ended up holding up in court. It did because um, the the, uh, the children won a
0: three point one million dollar supplement.
1: Yeah, in August of nineteen ninety five, the government settled out of court with the Weavers paying Randy three point one million dollars, one million to each child and one hundred thousand dollars to Randy after it was decided that it was self defense and that they were they were
0: treated wrongly in this whole thing. That's not enough for Randy. Right. That's not enough. That's pocket change what they did it took the it took his wife and his son I don't think any many amount of money could have made no, up for it though and when
1: you think that once again like we brought up earlier this was all over a couple of sawed off shotguns Randy was not part of the order he wasn't going out and bombing anyone nope. he had not
0: done any he wasn't even part of the Aryan Nation technically
1: t- honestly showing not showing up for the uh, indictment not showing up for the, the court date was a bigger offense than the actual offense in the first place yeah had he showed up uh, he probably would have gotten a slap on the wrist for the whole shotgun thing
0: yeah you know but even if he'd have showed up, it would have been the wrong day. Right. So, I mean, how do you – you know what I'm saying? hmm Even if he wanted to show up, he couldn't have – he would have been a month off. Yeah. In 1997,
1: FBI sniper Lon Horiuchi, who we had talked about, um, he would end up being charged with involuntary manslaughter and the death of Vicki Weaver. So, like we said, even with the rules of engagement that he had, he did the wrong thing shooting into a home like that at the front door or shooting at people. You don't, you just don't do that. In 2001, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals allowed the prosecution to go forward against Horiuchi, meaning federal agents – are not immune from the uh, state pro- uh, prosecution, but of course, yeah, because that's
0: that was his defense. He was like, "I'm a," he's like, "I'm a federal employee. He's like, I'm not a state. You yeah, know? the state can't touch me. Yeah, uh, yeah. they can, but but <laughs> they can't because,
1: however, the charges would end up later being dropped, and no one is convicted in connection with the shooting of Vicky Weaver. Well, then there's that. Yeah,
0: god damn it. Right, damn sniper privilege. <laughs> Yeah, um, so um, it's, uh, yeah. it's a
1: crazy thing, and some of the changes that were brought about uh, would end up being better communication between law enforcement agencies. We, we talked about the breakdown between the marshals yeah. and their special operations group and the FBI. The communication, that initial gunfire shootout that happened with Sam being killed mm-hmm. and them going and telling the FBI that they had one of their guys get killed by the Weavers and right. not, not relaying the information properly and in that they were up there and this was a self-defense case mm-hmm. – led to the snipers being put in trees, to the rules of engagement being yep. fire Changed. on anyone that has a gun. Yep. And that's how this whole shit show happened. So they ended up getting better communication and working on that. Um, there was also no longer the ability to change the rules of engagement on the fly like that To from you know announce yourself, and if they point a gun at you, kill them, to just anybody holding a gun, kill them. Yeah, They no longer were able to do that. Um, also, we talked about some of the FBI... Uh, higher-ups in the FBI were right. canned because of this. Um, one thing that is, is evidence of the change that came about from Ruby Ridge that I found really interesting, I found this story um, of a guy named John Joe Gray who was involved in a 1999 felony assault charge against him. Basically what happened was he was um, he was driving in, te- in a town in Texas and he was pulled over by a trooper yeah. during a traffic stop and he – Got into a verbal, or he got into a physical exchange with this guy. He ends up biting the <laughs> the trooper, right? I guess. He's, it's, <laughs> I don't know the story. You snuck this in on me. <laughs> well, it's just, it's, to me, this is evidence of okay. change that happened because of Ruby Ridge. All right, I'm intrigued. He's positive bought, he or bought
0: not, a, He bought a cop. I bit a cop. He um, bit a cop I'm during in. a
1: traffic stop gone wrong. Um, he then jumped his bail after the arrest and held up in his. He had a 47 acre property with fences all around, right. uh, no running water, no electricity, very similar to Ruby Ridge, Yeah. Uh, plenty of guns, and challenged the authorities to uh, come in and arrest him on the third-degree felony war- uh, warrant arrest that had been issued to him. Yeah. And this standoff ended up lasting 15 years. <laughs> the police looked at it as though, well... <laughs> They're we'll, just passing each other on the road. <laughs> well, no. Hey, John. Basically, hey, they going? said if <laughs> feature- he... They, they basically re- relegated it to, like, if he left his property, we're getting him. As long as he stays on his stupid property with no water and no electricity, we're going to look at this as his his sentence. And so they said that, like, had he gone to court like he was supposed to, the most they could have gotten him with was 10 years. And they said that probably wasn't even likely that he was going to get 10 years. He ended up spending 15 years not being able to leave his property. And he's walking around with his beard. He's got his family members there. and So how did it end? It, that's how it ended they went 15 years they dropped the charges against him in 19, uh, in 19 they're in, just like
0: this is just too much in 2016 <laughs> we jan- can't fucking
1: watch this guy anymore <laughs> January of 2016 after 15 years they would end up finally just dropping the charges he and
0: just, then he stopped
1: <laughs> and then it's funny he couldn't let it end there oh no Old, Old John Joe Gray. At this point, he's
0: got nothing better to do. They're not going to do
1: shit to me. I'm on my property. He stops paying his taxes, and now they, now they want him for taxes, <laughs>
0: tax evasion. He's probably sitting on his front porch in a rocking chair, both middle fingers
1: in the air. <laughs> right? Yeah, so these are the things you can look at as positive or not, I mean, depending yeah. on which side you're on. But uh, it's just kind of funny that it's obviously Ruby Ridge had an effect in that they don't like the bad PR that came about from Ruby Ridge and from right. Waco. And so now yeah. when, when one of these old bitter standoffs happen. They just <laughs> let the guy stay on his property. You leave that property, we're getting your ass, but, yeah. you know, we're not going to go in there and set your place on fire and shoot your family and shit. Wow. So I just find that kind of funny. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> so that's Ruby Ridge. Any last thoughts on it? Um, was it, uh I, it was my choice. I, I watched that documentary
0: a while ago yeah. and I thought
1: you might enjoy studying. Did you enjoy it? I did. Uh, uh, I did it? not
0: enjoy the book. Oh, okay. You um, found a book that you didn't like? No, I did not like it Uh because it was just, it's, it's like he only interviewed the federal agents in the marshals. Oh, okay. the book was so one-sided it totally twisted my view of the entire case because I listened to the book first,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I shouldn't have. <laughs> then I go back and I re- and I read articles, and actually listened to the book twice, so I was pretty dead set on this is the story, right right? And then I go back and watch like I watched the pBS documentary, I watched another one, and then read some articles, and I'm like. This book is shit. (laughs) It's absolutely shit, but it's called Ruby Ridge and and Waco, The History and Legacy of the the Federal by Charles River Editors. Oh, okay. Yeah, you
1: told me it wasn't all that great. I was kind of glad I didn't get it because I I just kind of... He's
0: got two books on Audible, and one is just about Ruby Ridge, and the other one's Ruby Ridge and Waco, and it's just... It's a different story. If you want to hear straight up US Marshall probably first gen story. <laughs> right. Like the these these same Marshals were in these documentaries that we watched saying something different. And then this yeah. guy it, like he makes he makes we, the weavers out to be crazy people. Conspiracists and extreme racist and it's just it's now they may have been racist, but they weren't criminals. I
1: think it's safe to say they were racist. Yeah. Definitely they believe the white the the, the white race to be superior and and, right. and like they were I think if you're a white separatist, you're just a racist, you know? And he's hanging out the Aryan nations. Definitely, definitely. However, in this country, we still do have the right to go move to the mountains and say some dumb shit and believe some dumb shit as long as you're not harming others and actively doing things like the Order was doing. Yeah. It wasn't right what happened to the Weavers. I think we can all agree on that. Like, you don't have to like them as people or agree with their beliefs but at the same time what the, what the government did was not right and also and the way- they even admit it they won in court you know the weavers won in court that tells you everything you need to know
0: well and they had enough self-realization to be like okay we believe this way and we don't want to be around People different than us, so we're going to live way out in the middle of fucking nowhere and not bother anybody. Literally move. I think that's the best way to be a racist. Get the fuck out of here. Right. Go live somewhere, and that's what they did. We don't like you. You don't like us. Just get lost. Yeah, just get out of here. Yeah. Like, that's the best way to live. Live by yourself. Rely on yourself. Okay, fine. Yep. Stay up there. Don't bother nobody. We'll leave you alone. You leave us alone. Right. Okay. Like, I. it's just when you think about the the offenses, what he did Mm -hmm. on paper, and then how it ended. Right it blows your mind. Yep. Absolutely blows your mind.
1: From point A to point B, how the fuck did we get there? Yeah. It's like two shot-off shotguns. Point A to point Z. Right. Like it's just two, two off the charts. Two shot-off shotguns to his wife being shot in the face on her own doorstep, holding yep. a baby. Can't even go outside your own house. The 14-year-old son being killed and yep. the dog and, uh, you know, yeah, just not good. 24-hour surveillance. Not good. Luckily, Unreal. I mean, Sarah, even she's now living on a farm um, in Montana. She doesn't talk to her father, Randy, anymore. And she says that she's a born-again Christian. She's forgiven all the f- people that were involved in this, even the sniper that shot her mom. Yeah. She's forgiven. Randy... She said she finally read the New Testament, so there's that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, I don't know where I was going with that. But, <laughs>
0: but... She's doing well. She seems to be doing well, and she's... But no, well,
1: uh, I, where I was going was that she says that she's glad that at least some good came from it. and that That's what I was going to say. A lot of people learned. that We're keeping a closer eye on... Her family didn't die for nothing.
0: Right. Basically.
1: Stuff has been changed because yeah. of the Ruby Ridge incident. Absolutely. So that's where we're going to end this. And that, it, you know, bad things can happen, but sometimes positive com- comes out of it, I guess.
0: That's right.
1: They didn't die in vain, I guess. Right. Whereas sometimes the FBI was able to burn down. I'm sure that a lot of times they burned down people and, and no one ever
0: got no, their word. No one even know They didn't get to get their say in it. It was just, you're dead. We don't even know their names. Right. Just gone. Yeah. We really enjoyed this case Like we definitely Highly recommend Those documentaries Yep uh, Not the book though Don't just Don't waste your time With that book Alright <laughs> 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 right, Creepers That's it That's all of it That's all the old episode Now we're back To normal time Go check us out Patreon.com Slash True Crime Guys True Crime Guys On Facebook Instagram Twitter Whatever you like To use And waste your time on um, also, you can follow me personally at and I'm Michael on Instagram and on Twitter. Alright, True Crime Guys closed group on Facebook. Other than that, guys, keep creeping. We'll see you next week for another freebie episode. Peace out. Keep creeping, guys. True Crime Guys In the desert, we like a garage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was True Crime Garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the Creeper Army, we out here making murder, get murder, get murder, get murder. true crime true guys, crime. Guys, in the desert we like a mirage, it's okay if you clicked on us cause you thought we was true crime garage, now we ain't mad at you, sit down let us talk at you, I'm talking to the Creeper Army, we out here making murder charming.